So we've been working through the Gospel of John, and we're going to stay in John, but we're going to just kind of hop over a few chapters. Um, it's kind of a little bit of a running joke now with uh, my father-in-law about how um, slow it's taking me to get through the Gospel of John. Six months, and we've gotten to eight chapters. So it's a marathon, not a race, okay? And I'm not running a marathon, but we're going to preach like it's a marathon. But we are going to stay in the Gospel of John. We're just going to head over to chapter 12, and we're going to look at the, the triumphal entry in the same gospel, the gospel of John. So when we get to that a few weeks on the road, then we'll just kind of skip over it again. But John chapter 12, and we're going to focus on verse 11 through 19. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to John chapter 12, uh, verse, actually I'm going to start reading in verse 12. The next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb, raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him that was that they heard that he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said one to another, You see that, they, that you are gaining nothing? Look, the world has gone after him. This is a, a rare text in Scripture because this is the only although it's recorded in all four Gospels, this event is the only event in Jesus' ministry where he allows the crowd to worship him. He allows the crowd to throw this big parade. He allows himself to be exalted. Think about it. This occurred on a Sunday. It was the 10th day of Nisan. By our calendars, it would have been April 6th. Four days before the Passover, the cherished Jewish holiday. According to the book of Exodus, this was the day that the families would choose their lamb that they would use to sacrifice. Many people have traveled to Jerusalem. I mean, not just hundreds, not thousands. Upwards of two million people are there. Picture the scene. There are thousands, there's tens of thousands of lambs that are being inspected and looked over. And while all this is occurring, the Lamb of God, Jesus, walks into the city of Jerusalem. That in and of itself was a a moment of prophecy in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, there's a prophecy that the Messiah would come 483 years. What's interesting, and why I mentioned it was the 10th day of of Nisan, was um, Artaxerxes gave the Jews a charge to rebuild Jerusalem, March 14th, 445 B.C. This event occurs 483 years later, to the day. 
Jesus, as he's, or John makes mention of another prophecy in Zechariah. You see in verse 15 where he'll come into the, the daughter of Zion is a, a phrase used for Jerusalem in which he'll enter on a donkey's colt. And here we have this picture of Jesus coming. And I, I find it amazing because the crowds are, are shouting out, Hosanna. Hosanna means save now. I don't know if you're like me, but when we read this, this account of this triumphal entry, we, we, we know the story, right? This coming Friday is Good Friday. It's a moment where we reflect on Jesus being hung on a cross and dying. Next Sunday we'll come and we'll celebrate. We're going to throw a big old party because next Sunday is Easter. We celebrate the resurrection. See, we don't, we don't celebrate someone who just died. We celebrate a Lord, a Savior, a King who conquered death. So in our minds, we think, wow, how in just a few short days can Jesus come from being the grand marshal of a parade to being mocked? How did this occur? Jesus was continually confused or the people were continually confused by Jesus throughout his ministry. They always, and we've talked about this throughout the Gospel of John, they always, always, always wanted Jesus to rise to power then and there in their own minds, the way they interpret power, much like today we would interpret power. They, thought, they viewed this Messiah as this, this military leader or this, this king or this presidential type figure. This whole idea when we think of this, the palms being um, waved as Jesus is coming in, the, the cloaks, their, their outer garments being placed so he, the colt, he and the colt could ride over. We think, wow, this must have been new to this idea. It must have been crazy. This, was, this idea of these, these palm leaves being waved was not new. It goes back to 200 years previous to this event. Israel is, is under captive. Uh, the Syrian um, army had come in. They they'd captured Jerusalem. Their, their king was a, a madman. His name was Ateochus Epiphanes. To show you how, how mad he was, he actually went into the Holy of Holies in the temple, reserved only for the high priest. He goes in there, he slaughters a pig, and he made the priest drink the blood of a pig. See, he, he, he forced these Jews to fall under his leadership. There was a, a man by the name of Judas Maccabees who was tired of this tyrant, this king. So he and his brothers uh, and, and then a band of men created this guerrilla warfare. And over the next nine years, they would battle against this, this Assyrian army to the point where eventually they conquer them. They, they drive them out of Jerusalem. It was at that moment they began to wave these palm leaves in celebration. Hosanna, save now. We are saved now. We are no longer under oppression. And here 200 years later, Israel or, or Jerusalem once again is under oppression, this time by the Romans. And these Jews are, are desperately wanting their time. They, they, they desperately want to be exalted back to their own kingdom. They kept thinking the Messiah in a national sense. And so when they say, save now, when they say, Hosanna, they're declaring Jesus the king. 
but they want him to take control of everything. In their minds, they, they believe that Jesus will become the king of Israel. Drive out the Romans. But Jesus has a completely different plan. Rather than riding into town on a white horse, he humbly comes in on the back of a colt. A picture of peace. It's interesting because as we look at this event, we think of this occurrence in Scripture, there's a, a couple of different characters, groups of people involved in this particular event. One, you have the, the, the Jews who were there celebrating Passover. As I mentioned before, you have the Romans who are there under control. And then you have these Jewish leaders. It's interesting, when we, when we think of this particular passage, when we try and look through it through the eyes of these different groups of people, they have different perspectives. The Romans, they see Jesus coming in. They see the people waving these, these palm leaves and this parade, this, this clapping, this applause. Now, none of the Gospels give us any information about how the Romans viewed this. So we need to kind of speculate a bit. My guess is, as this is occurring, rather than being scared, the Romans probably are just smirking a little bit. Because based on their criteria of a triumphal entry, this was very mild. A Roman triumphal entry if a Roman general had, had conquered an enemy, if, if, they had, if they had killed at least 5,000 of their enemy, they had conquered their land, they would throw them this triumphal entry. They would march into the town. They, they would go through and they would be able to, to, to show off all their spoils, all their, the things that they gained. And they would go all the way through until they got to the arena. And then some of their captives, they would take into the arena and these, they would all sit around like a sporting event and watch these captives battle these wild beasts. It was a huge ordeal. And so as they just see a man on a donkey and people with palm leaves, they probably just took that and kind of smiled. This is the best they can do. Wow. That's what their king is. Hmm. The Jews that were there we already kind of mentioned, these are the people that they're expecting to no longer be oppressed. They're expecting now is the time. The king is here. We'll no longer have to look to the Romans. It's a brand new life. Everything we've hoped for, dreamed for, we're about to get it. And then we have the Jewish leaders. And we've seen this progression with the Jewish leaders, starting with going back in the early chapters of John when he went and cleansed the temple. The ordeal when we, we talked about him having healed the man at the pool of Bethesda. All these events keep taking place, and these Jewish leaders are getting more and more angry. Jesus allows this parade to occur because he knows what is about to happen. He has now put the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council, in a predicament. They have to do something. He's going to force their hand. 
What I find amazing is, if you were to read in Luke chapter 19, the same event occurs. Jesus gets the colt, he's on the back, and the parade occurs. And as he's walking down, or as he's being led by the colt into the town of Jerusalem, the Bible says that Jesus began to weep. He began to weep. Jesus knew what was about to occur. He knew those, those cries of Hosanna would soon turn to cries of crucify him. He knew that those people that were following him were following him for his signs and wonders. He knew it was all going to change. He began to weep as he looked over Jerusalem. He knew what was going to happen in Jerusalem. He knew that they would be ravaged by war. They would be conquered again. He knew that they were going to reject him. That's what I love about Jesus. I've often said one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible is one that most of us who grew up in church memorized as a little, little kid. In fact, I remember a few weeks ago listening to our children on Wednesday night work on memorizing it. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world. Sometimes we forget about verse 17 where he comes and says that he didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. And here he is. He's, he's, he's coming into the city. It's, it's, it's at that moment of climax. And he realizes all these people, the ones that he loved, the ones that he's about to, to, to lay himself on a cross over, although they're shouting praises to him now, he knows they will run and hide. He begins to weep. As we look at this story, I think there's a lot of things we can learn. And hopefully there's some things in our own lives we can be challenged with. When we look at those different groups of people, if we were there that day, what group would we have been in? Would we be one of those people in a parade that are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, everything's great, we've been following him, we just witnessed him raise Lazarus from the dead. We've seen him heal this lame man at the pool of Bethesda. We've seen all these miraculous things. Hosanna, Hosanna, our king is here. And then only a few days later, be in that same crowd saying, crucify him, crucify him. There have been many times in my own life where we have those parade moments where everything seems to be going good. Like, I mean, it seems like everything we touch turns to gold. You get that promotion at work. Your kids actually go to bed on time. Right? Every once in a while, that happens. 
It's easy to say, Hosanna, Hosanna. It's easy to say, praise God, amen. God is so good. But then what happens when those tough times happen? What happens when life's not so good? When the kids don't go to sleep. When the kids are arguing. When you're at a restaurant and it turns into a food fight. When stuff at work isn't going right. I mean, projects that you used to be able to thrive at, you struggle with. Finances become troublesome. Marriage gets hard. Then what? Then what happens? Are we shouting Hosanna at those times? Are we praising Jesus? Thank God, thank you God for everything. Or are we turning back from God? Saying, this isn't what I signed up for. I thought, you were, I thought you were God. I thought you made everything good. See, Jesus' plan was much different than what the Jewish people thought. And because his plan didn't match up, match up with theirs, they turned their back on him. Where are we? Where am I? Or we could be like the Jewish leaders, religious leaders. We get jealous of things. We get jealous of, of, of other people who are maybe spiritually growing. We see God's blessing on their lives, and we become jealous of them. Rather than trying to help them, we push them down. We try and cause them to stumble. Or maybe we're the Romans, and we're just oblivious to everything. We have no idea what's going on. We don't care. We're just going through life, doing our thing. Jesus wept because he saw all of that. He came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. He left heaven. That in and of itself is amazing, folks. Like he left heaven in all of its glory, in all of its majesty. He left all of that to come to earth. To live as a peasant, to be a carpenter, a blue-collar laborer. He left a throne for that. He would be persecuted throughout his entire life. The crowds that would follow him were only an inch deep because whenever it got tough, they scattered. His own disciples, in the midst of this, we, we read this morning, in the midst of this, they have no clue what's going on. They've spent three years with this man. They ate food together. They talked together. They prayed together. They did everything you can do in three years. And they had no clue what was happening. We know the end of the story. 
Next Sunday, we'll talk about the end of the story. This week, though, I want to challenge you guys. In your own quiet time. To focus on what this week must have been like. Today, Palm Sunday, Jesus walking into this town, being celebrated, being hailed as a king. Only in a few short days to be arrested. Think of that, ponder that, meditate over that. Friday, when Friday occurs, Good Friday. I, I challenge each of you, as I challenge myself, to ponder the cross. Many of us have jewelry with a little cross on it. We have things in the church with a cross on it. Maybe it's around us so much that, we, that it begins to lose its value, its meaning. Ponder that cross. Ponder what he would go through. Those moments of agony. It was death sentence. He was given a death sentence. Today, it's sometimes hard for us to understand this, to comprehend this. Because even in our system, when, when somebody is put to death, we do it in a somewhat humane way, don't we? Many times lethal injection, things like that, that it's, I, I mean, I've obviously never gone through that, never witnessed it, none of that stuff, but it's within a matter of a few seconds, a few moments, it's done. It wasn't that way for Jesus. It was intense beatings to the point where he, by the time he actually got to the cross, he was probably almost physically unrecognizable. And then he would endure a cross for us. Friday. When Good Friday hits, you spend your time hopefully reading your Bible, spend some time in prayer. May that be a day that we live with great gratitude for a tremendous sacrifice. did for us and Sunday we come back to church and we celebrate like I said at the beginning we don't celebrate a man who's still hanging on a cross we celebrate a king the lion of Judah who conquered death that's what we celebrate that's why we come to church Easter Sunday happy and excited that's why when we sing the songs Easter Sunday hopefully we're singing them at the top of our lungs because we are worshiping a, cre a king who died for us, but came back to life and conquered it for us. These are exciting days. We don't live in doom and gloom. It's amazing, that symbol of the cult. When you read in Matthew and Mark, and in Luke as well. Jesus lays this plan out, tells them to go ahead and find this cult and bring it to him. A simple 
symbol of peace. Although Jesus came in as a king, he did not reject it. He accepted being the king. He still came with a symbol of peace. He would be rejected. And the next time he comes as king will look much, much different. Because he won't come in a humble manner. <laughs> He'll come in a victorious manner. challenge you in this room this morning who have already accepted Christ as your Savior. Who know that without a shadow of a doubt you can remember the time and the place as you go through life there will be lots of parades but there will be lots of valleys There'll be lots of tough times. Things that we don't understand. Sometimes God reveals it later in life that we understand, oh, I understand why I went through that. Many times I think we get to heaven and we won't get the full story till we get there. When those tough seasons in life occur, don't bail on Him. Don't bail on God. Don't be like this crowd that we see this morning who will worship in the good times. As long as he's giving us the things that we want, we'll worship him. So that's one of the things I, I'm, I'm most challenged and convicted about, even in my own walk. Do I love Jesus because of the things he gives me? Or do I love Jesus because it's Jesus? And then for those who've never accepted Christ as your Savior, in a room this big, certainly there are some. Jesus came to earth to be a king. But not in the sense that we view a king. His goal was to come and be a sacrifice, a lamb. For all the things that we've done in the past, in the present, in the future, every sin that we committed was nailed to that cross. He did that because he loved you. He loved you so much that he would endure all of that on your behalf, on my behalf. Maybe this Palm Sunday, that triumphal entry, is Jesus marching into your life. Maybe that triumphal entry is you finally putting stuff down and realizing that you need something. 
You've been searching. You've, been, you've had this void in your life, and you keep trying to fill it with things. Maybe they're not even bad things, but you've been filling it, and you realize the hole keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's a void that it just can't be filled, and the reason it can't be filled is it was created for God. He is the only thing that can fill those voids in your life. And so maybe this Palm Sunday is His triumphal entry into your life. The Bible tells us, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's calling. Will we listen? Let's pray.